Hello, listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of Discoverers, the only podcast out there that reads, rates, and reviews all 41 of Terry Pratchett's Epochal Discworld series of comic fantasy novels. I'm your host, Iris J, and with me are my delightful co-hosts. Uh, why don't y'all introduce yourselves alphabetically? Well, I'm still Belina, and despite everything, I absolutely refuse to come up with a proper intro at this rate. Hi, I'm the Internet's beloved Princess Grace. You might know me from my very good posts, or any of my many half-finished projects. Hi, I'm Juniper, and I know uh, the letters of the alphabet. (laughs) All right. Oh, good. Excellent. See, this is great. This is actually our second take at the intro. And the first time we didn't get the alphabetical order right, but this time... Wow, you're just going to call me out like that, huh? More importantly, you're going to pretend that that's the reason why we recorded it. (laughs) It was of no fault of my own whatsoever. Like, Iris... Yeah, it was... Iris edits the podcast. She controls history. (laughs) Iris can make us say whatever she wants. She gets to choose what the rating is at the end of the episode, technically, because, like... She could just override all of us. My name is June, and I cheated on my math <laughs> test. Fart penis. Ass. This is actually me, Grace, saying this. I'm so glad none of us have the patience for sentence mixing. <laughs> no. uh, all of us are extremely lazy, and that's a benefit. Uh, Anyways, no, I fucked up. Uh, I forgot to hit record before we did it the first time, so I'll come clean. I don't. I don't wish to make you mistrust me. Anyways, the book that we're doing today is uh, Equal Rights, uh, third book in the series, first one that doesn't have Rincewind as a protagonist, and uh, this one's got a bit of the old genders in it. Oh, this has yeah. so much gender. This... Just, a, just a dash, just a frisson of the old gender. I, it's It sure does have a lot of old Terry, bless his heart, he's really trying to do an epic feminism. Mm-hmm. You can feel him des- really straining, trying to do something good, and sometimes it works. Yeah. My man came up with a turf tree so that Granny could have an argument with it and win. <laughs> he came up with a fucking J.K. Rowling turf tree, mansplaining witchcraft to the witch. He gets better, I promise. I promise. Like His, his heart is in the right place. I will concede that. Eventually, his brain gets in the right place, too. Or he has the sense to ask for help. Yeah. Thank God. So, the last episode, or two episodes you might have remembered. Sorry, I was taking a sip of coffee. Um, The last two two episodes were out of one book. um, And that was, in retrospect, uh, a little excessive. Um, This time around, uh, similar to running alongside a broomstick to make it start going aloft, uh, we've decided to tweak our format just a little bit, and we're going to synopsize the whole book at the start, uh, courtesy of our friend Belina over here, who has uh, dutifully uh, pared down a synopsis down to, you said, under 60 seconds? Well, you told me to do it in 60 seconds, so I'm going to do my best. I might run over the, the only people who care are the historians. That's fine. Uh, there are no consequences whatsoever if you run over, uh, as long as you keep it under an hour. Uh, that's fine. Okay, all right. That, that <laughs> explains for the shot caller, but all right. So, anyways. Uh. Billet, comma, a wizard, comma, is dying and bequeaths his magic slash staff to the eighth son of an eighth son. He learns slightly too late that the newborn Escarina Smith is not, strictly speaking, a son. 
This is considered a bad thing because gender politics. When what young Ask displays signs of powerful magic at a young age, local witch Granny Weatherwax tries and fails to train the girl in a more respectable magical career path. At wit's end, she reluctantly agrees to take Ask to the Unseen University in Ankhmore Pork for wizardly training. Along the way, Escarina meets Simon, a young lad also bound for UU, with odd ideas and eternal hay fever. Meanwhile, Esk's magic creates far more problems than it solves. Upon finally getting there, Esk is predictably laughed out because gender politics. Granny craftily enrolls Esk as a cleaner, allowing Esk to sneak into lectures. While snooping, Esk finds that Simon is doing an increasingly wonderful job of attracting attention from the dungeon dimensions with his theories, eventually resulting in his mind being stolen by self-same terrors, who plan to use his brain to invade our world. Well, their world. Hey, that sounds familiar. The, through the combined help of Granny, the UU's Arch-Chancellor, and Billet's old staff, Esk saves Simon, herself, and the disc itself, and we all learn the true meaning of friendship, which, as we all know, is the same thing as magic. Wow. Ah. Nice work. That actually yeah. was, I think, just about 60 seconds. Extremely yeah, yeah. impressive. Yeah, it was incredibly well done. Can I Fuck make yeah. my first comment on the actual book itself based on that? Shoot. Yes. Yes. I'd like to point out that what was explained, the middle part where it was like, uh, things happen involving magic, that was like 60% of the book in the middle? Yeah. Esk is going places, magic is happening, Terry like talks to us about it. It does feel like it could be trimmed into a taut young adult novella. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it really starts out strong and then just kind of gets lost, it feels book, like. This book starts out strong in the acknowledgments, where Pratchett says, This book is neither wacky nor zany. Please stop describing it as that, because, you know, those are the two adjectives everyone reviews any sort of vaguely funny novel with. And that's what he got in all of his reviews for this one, from what I can yep. tell. And, yeah. Madcap yeah. Screwball Antics Ahoy! Like, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for this book, Equal Rights, and Dave Langford, whoever that is, he's got a blue link name, so he must be important, called it Screwy and Dotty, which are. Certain- <laughs> <laughs> Letter of the law, but not the spirit. Uh, <laughs> I would say this book is both screwy and dotty. Perhaps a little bit cuckoo nutso. It, I can understand why he'd. Why Pratchett might be annoyed at that sort of stuff, though, because it definitely, this feels like it's trying to be more of a real story. It feels like it's trying to get away from the sort of mostly comedy style of the first two Mm -hmm. books and trying to do something interesting, explore some ideas. I don't know if it works, but it's trying. If someone called my writing wacky or zany, I would feel weirdly offended or like they hadn't read it. I do appreciate that, similar to how The Light Fantastic feels kind of like a revision of The Color of Magic, Mm-hmm. This feels not entirely, but at least like, in concept, sort of partially like a commentary on the light fantastic. Like it's it's a another reflection of the same idea where it's yeah, like, it's okay, well, uh, Rincewind is a guy who sucks at magic, but is essentially kind of benefited from the system. And when push comes to shove, he knows what to do. Uh, what about somebody who is really talented at magic, but is outside of the system and is blocked by the system. I would like to I would like to point out that this book, much like The Light Fantastic, also has a young wizard with a big dick super spell in his head who gets to the Unseen University and those very same big dick spells let some bad shit from the dungeon dimensions into our world, or very nearly do. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird to have the book end in more or less the same way twice in a row, or to use this exact same story beat. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's going to be from what I understand. I haven't read a lot of the early Discworld books, but uh that's going to be a recurring thing in some of the early Discworld books. The dungeon dimension is a vague antagonist that keeps showing up in mm-hmm. confusing ways. Yeah, they, he does kind of stop talking about that after a while, doesn't he? he? Yeah, I think it's because they suck as a villain. Yeah, they're they're not a villain. It's just like some <laughs> yeah. elemental force, and it's just not useful. Eventually, they get their kind of role in the story gets pretty much replaced by uh, the arbiters and the desk yeah. death stories, and they're much much more interesting as characters yeah. and as an idea than the dungeon dimension is. Absolutely. I'm really excited to get to Reaper Man. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about my problems with Reaper Man, because it's one of my favorite books, but wow, it has problems. Yeah. But yeah, the, the dungeon dimension here is just kind of... I, it works here, but it does feel very similar to the last book, and also very vague. Yeah, and also, uh, I found it a little weird that like in the last book, like... Um... Rincewind basically had to win against the Dungeon Dimensions by uh, kicking monster ass and stuff. Yeah. Whereas the win in this one is a lot more like nebulous. Yeah. Uh, like Cerebral. The staff, the staff helps, but like also it's kind of like, well, that's it. It doesn't have the same visceral climax as yeah. like well, a fight. The win. great. The greatest power is having power, but not using it. Oh. Yeah. And, like, the book even makes fun of itself for this by having a lot of, like, well, yes, it's a very, it's the kind of profound truth that makes you feel better about not knowing, you know, sure, there's a lot of things you don't know, but at least you don't know a lot of important stuff, as opposed to the rabble who only know a bunch of unimportant things, who only don't know a bunch of unimportant things. Yeah, there was, there was kind that was, that was... That was a good bit. I enjoyed good. that joke. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that bit was good. I did find it kind of amusing because remember when we did the Light Fantastic episode and we get to the part where just Rinse Rin just panics and just kicks the monster's ass and everybody is just confused about this. I mean, by everybody, you mean like us, the readers? Because it's like, yeah. oh, that that's all it is. And I just kind of had to explain, look, the, the creatures don't really know what a person is. They're just a random collection of parts. And that is explicitly how Esk staves them off for a little bit, and she just explains, "No, no, no, yeah. they're—they don't really know what they're doing. They're just—they're just hungry things." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, they don't really get rid of it until she has the staff, and then just deliberately doesn't use it. Which, yeah, just—it's—it's a—it's a weird application of it, and I'm still not really sure what was with the staff just expending itself to solve the problem. Yeah. It feels more like a like not a Deus Ex Machina, but just kind of like, oh, it's it feels like a like a big setup because this staff has been like around this whole time. But like you kind of expect there to be more to it than that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I expected there to be more moving pieces there. Yeah. Um Cause like last time feels- cause last time they had to like, you know, stick all the spells together. There was a whole thing with like, you know, well, how do you say this word? I don't know, you know, and so on. Like that was at least like, you know, it made sense. It, it was mm. a pretty good payoff, but it just kind of felt like, oh, uh, he just wants to wrap this book up, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it really, it really felt a lot. Of, some of the ending felt it was more concerned with uh, some vague ideas and didn't really know how to consolidate those ideas into an actual ending. Yeah, which 
is weird, especially given that the lead up to those ideas was pretty cool. There was some really cool stuff being developed, and I was interested to see where it goes, and then it just kind of confused me. Yeah, Yeah, because he he has his thesis. He has this thesis that, like, Granny hammers into Esk and us from the start of the book, which is, like, there are more kinds of magic in the world than, like, you know, shooting fire from your fingertips. A lot of magic is knowing things other people don't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. headology and, you know, the placebo effect and this and that. And, like, you know, that's a really, like, cool and interesting thing to say. It's the way the ending expresses that is very strange. It's both on the nose and also confusing. Yeah. It, <sighs> yeah. It, it's kind of frustrating because, like, the first third of the book is that, okay, the real difference between witchcraft and wizardry is that wizards are, like, stage magicians or whatever which you know i'm not st- i'm not talking down stage mag- magicians i yeah. know some very nice ones but yeah hi, yeah, hi. <laughs> but witchcraft is about what actually helps people and most of the time that's not really magic except in the cases where it is and like mm-hmm. all most of headology is just like weaponized empathy mm-hmm. which you know yeah. is it- going to get down to the down to the fact that Pratchett still just kind of has this, like, the, there's no real reason why men can't be witches and wizards can't be, or, you know what I meant, why men the, can't be witches and women can't be wizards, but he kind of boils it down to just stereotypes of how male and female brains work. Yeah. Well, men, men are like this, and women are like that. Men no. do ma- men do magic with their stabs. Women do magic by knowing what herbs are. <laughs> It, it it's trying, but yeah. it really th- uh. he kind of half trips over himself because he brings up hedge wizardry, which you know because everything has to be a pun. Hedge wizardry is literally mostly about plants. It's like druids and such, yeah. and it comes really close. It's just the fact that most they're mostly solitary creatures instead of being you know social creatures like witches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it feels it feels very much like he had a lot of ideas, ideas that we'll see refined in the later Discworld books really well. Oh, yeah. But in this, they just aren't refined and they're just kind of like well witches do this sort of magic mostly and he has an idea of it but doesn't have it quite pinned down yeah. it's it kind of goes in a lot of different directions over the course of the book at one point it's well the magic isn't really that real and later it's very very real and then later it's granny might teach at the university and maybe they just need to learn from each other but maybe this one's better and it it feels like it tries to make a lot of points that maybe it should have just made one or two what the fuck was that magic duel yeah yeah i i liked the magic duel it was fun it was just and i guess i mean that's it it kind of it kind of works that granny is just going showing that Everything she's saying, she still can just fucking do this whenever she feels feels like yeah. it. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it. I mean, like, isn't that, like, a classic trope of, like, fantasy magic fights? Like, I know that was... They did the same thing in the uh, Sandman comic book series, mm-hmm. where it was a big fight between, like, oh, I'm gonna be this that's gonna be that. Well, I'm gonna be this that's gonna be that. And yeah. they also kind of did the same thing in Disney's Sword of the Stone adaptation. Yeah, it, no, this is very much a Merlin versus Morgana thing. That is, that, that is like, the, the root of this particular fight. Of them just mm-hmm. of turning into counters into counters into counters, except they weren't really counters into counters. It was just the Arch Chancellor just turns into something random and dangerous. 
It was I, I I I it was very dumb and very confusing, and I don't think it worked. But also, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact <laughs> I that liked afterwards, the, just afterwards, they just stop fighting and go, "Wow, we were both being really stupid." Anyways, mind if I smoke? Yeah. All right. I think I think that's enough conflict to prove that we're both incredible badasses. Let's please stop before one of us gets an aneurysm. Yeah, there there are more important things happening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did y'all think of the main character? Well, that's the question of who's the main character. Yeah, because... is it Esk? Is it Granny? Is it... I was gonna say Esk, although, yeah, interestingly, uh, this is a bit spoilers, Esk shows up in, like, 30, 30 yeah, books I, I looked from it now up. or I, something? She only shows up in a book I didn't read. And she only tangentially yeah. mentioned Simon, so... Even yeah. even though the uh, school of magic that the two of them work together on will show up later, and that's as far as we're going to say about that, the two of them are not going to be mentioned anytime soon. Neither yeah. will yep. even like the concept of women in the university is still going to feel weird and alien to the to the faculty for the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah I was. It's, it's a bit strange, honestly. I yeah. was going to say, like, uh, I don't, I didn't even know Esk showed up again. So, like. I do remember the first time I read this book, I was like, wow, I guess gender equality died on the way back to its home planet after this, huh? <laughs> it it kind of does, though, unfortunately, for a while, yeah. at least. Like I'm, like, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, and it's like, the protagonist, Escarita Smith, does not return until I Shall Wear Midnight, which was published 23 years later on September yep. 2nd, 2010. Oh, it's yeah. one of the young adult ones. I never read yep. any of the Tiffany Aching Same. books. That'll be an adventure. I am genuinely excited for those because I have a fr- I have also never read them and I have a friend who absolutely swears by them and I have heard nothing but good things about them. I know the people who are uh, into them generally like get into Discworld through them and are like mainly fans yeah. of them. So I'm really interested to see them. Yeah. But uh but it, I will say it's interesting. They don't show up, but you know who does show up in like two books? Granny. Granny. Yep. Granny is one of the main series in Discworld from this point on. The witches, so to speak. Oh, good. This book was so... So, like, this book doesn't work incredibly well as a book. But as a character study of Granny, I feel like it works really, really well. I I like her a lot. I feel like there are parts of it that I'm like, hmm, about. But overall, I loved her as a character, and I loved the way her character is explored in this. Because she's very... Not perfect she's very flawed Mm. extremely so and they make sure they make that clear to you and it's yeah it's really cool through much of the book granny doesn't really know she doesn't know what she's doing like much is made about the fact that granny and and she passes this on to esk she rarely knows what she's doing but she'll be damned if she lets that stop her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so many of and this is true for other later on granny which is centric stories down the line. So many of them are like fish out of water sort of stories where it's very much like, okay, like these, these witches are extremely good at what they do and they know everything about what they know about living in the mountains and herbs and people and all this other stuff. But what happens when we take them outside of their comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whether that is a, in a literal geographical sense or in a metaphorical society is moving forward sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they represent an old guard, and not necessarily a bad one, but a an older way of thinking that is having to adapt to changing times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I, I I enjoyed part of the whole thing with this book being 
her teaching Escarina and teaching people that, hey, maybe, like, don't be a new, weird, asshole, piece of shit wizard, but also at the same time her having to learn that she is very out of place in this and needs to adapt. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved her meeting, um, I think her name was Hiltha, or Hilda, Hilta, the town wizard? Hilta. Yeah. Hilta, the town yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was, like, my favorite bit character, just because, yeah. like, <laughs> up in the mountains, a witch is this, like, stern and imposing figure who's there to, like, like, you know, yeah. uh, curse people Deliver- and demands respect. Yeah. In town, witches are uh, dick doctors for, for dick yeah. problems. Which, let's be clear here, uh, Granny also makes uh, natural male enhancement potions. Yes. That is made very clear. It's just that Hilta... Um, and I'm I'm quoting the book here, quote, has to result to parlor tricks. <laughs> because people expect, you know, yeah, kind of the head-ology. song and dance of regular magic, yeah. It's it's headology. Your, your aphrodisiacs work better if you buy them from a dimly lit place, kind of sequestered off to the side, and you have to, like, speak in hushed tones, and everything's advertised in metaphors. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. I love sex stores. I just love, like, I get excited about any references to, like, horny shit in these books. Because it's always, yeah. like, I, lo- I love the idea of, like, people talking about weird, like, like I don't know. It's just fascinating to me as a pornographer, yeah. I guess. It's neat. <laughs> what What is sex like in the Discworld? What's universe? sex like in the Discworld? Well, we see later on that they, they do con- they have condoms. There's, like, boner boner pills and shit here and also like contraceptives it's like there's there's a whole lot of shit in the mix there people are still people regardless of the uh whimsical fantasy setting yeah it as far as sex goes in discworld i think pratchett very much takes the approach of it's funnier if it's close to real life sex and we don't have to do a bunch of dumb stuff yeah. to try and figure out what it would be like with medieval such yeah yes. he absolutely just and he thinks he realizes that it just the joke would not be any funnier if he was ever any more explicit about it so he'll just yeah. kind of yeah. smile and wink and do things that are not not necessarily flying under the censors but it has the same sort of effect and yeah. you kind of, it, you get to make the jokes like to make the jokes like you are sending something underneath the censors and people laugh at it because you know you're being sly about it it is yeah. as the brits would say cheeky yeah it's it's and he does it pretty well he does a lot of like you know he certainly like makes reference to this existing there's a um there's a couple of times when granny is like oh am i gonna have to tell her what sex is <laughs> yeah speaking of which uh actually on this note we got to hear about miss palm in this book yeah! oh yes Rose- love her early oh. ca- uh shout out to miss palm yeah yeah She'll, I mean, she'll show up more later. Did they? Did yeah. the word seamstress actually show up in this book? I don't think it did. No, no, no. Okay. They mentioned there was a lady named Miss Palm. She had a lot of other uh, ladies living at her house, specifically and a her lot of sisters or something. Yeah, yeah her. Yeah, uh, the uh, the lady with all her sisters. And uh, gosh, it must be hard to feed such a large family. <laughs> they don't seem to get much sleep either. Yeah. Like, again, weird. these are all really good jokes, and just it would yeah, be it, funny. It's good. I will say, I think a lot of the jokes in this book were 
a lot more subtle and yeah. landed in a way that I enjoyed a lot more yeah. than the previous books. Right. They were not nearly as grown, terrible, oh god, that's such a bad joke. Although there were those I, in I, here. I, this oh, book yeah. A lot of them were just quiet, subtle ones. Yeah. Oh gosh, I want to hear him. So, well, first of all, we're talking about the jokes. This This book has one of the most classic like frozen in amber flavors of joke that we don't get anymore and it's a like it's a joke about you know i forget the exact context but like oh you know she goes knocked flat she felt like a pizza with anchovies or whatever which like if it is before like if it is before 2000 and you are making a joke that involves a pizza it has anchovies on it because they're the funniest pizza topping of course uh, yeah they are but that's just a fact but so the the three jokes were um when Granny is talking to Hilta about her business and, you know, you can sell this stuff without resorting to parlor tricks, referring to the, you know, accoutrement. Uh, there was, uh, Knowles don't look any better inside than out. Uh, he hated their guts. <laughs> but um, Tish. Oh, I marked God that one too. It. That one was so good. And, uh, uh so, and when Granny and S get to town, they, uh, you know, they take up residence in a seedier part of town that's fit, that suits Granny and, the lodgings were by a respectable dealer in stolen goods because good fences make good neighbors. God, that, hey! that, was, that, was, that was that was that was good. That one works that on was... just several levels, and I love it's so it. Good. Wow, uh, yeah, yeah I, I noted that one too. God, that was great. What was the other one that I noted that was like best groaner line? Uh, well, that wasn't a pun. That was just a weird joke. Um, there, yeah, what, what, there, what was it? It was right at the beginning. Yes. Uh, uh, well, I mean the the vi- the village that Esk is born in is called Badass, which is yeah. like it's based on how a lot of smaller towns up in the Alps have a uh, bad as in bath. Um, uh, describes uh, it as it was in fact one of those places that exist merely so that people can have come from them. The universe is littered with them: hidden villages, windswept little towns under wide skies, isolated cabins on chilly mountains, whose only mark on history is to be the incredibly ordinary place where something extraordinary started to happen. Often there is no more than a little plaque to reveal that, against all gynecological probability, someone very famous was born halfway up a wall. Ah, uh, it's because usually they say like somebody was born here, but like not yeah. literally right here. I, I just thought yeah. that was a cute joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's... and that reminds me of one of the things I I kept thinking of through actually all three of these books is like when when Pratchett does something that's meant to poke fun at fantasy tropes and he's making fun of like fantasy novels at this point in time like the the way the adventuring parties are put together the the existence of like attacking gnolls and goblins mm-hmm. it the jokes still work but they realize they're making fun of like Dungeons and Dragons yeah. Yeah, it's it, they feel very outplayed, honestly. Yeah. Like, it, it's one of those just like watching Seinfeld nowadays. Yeah. And all of the jokes have been done a thousand times yeah. by everyone else. Yeah, we have so much fantasy parody nowadays that the really basic fantasy parody stuff just isn't the most interesting part of yeah. this world. Yeah, and like you can kind of see like Terry starting to get tired of that like now in book three, which came <laughs> yeah. out in like the 80s and this was before like yeah nerdery was like a force in modern culture so like damn yeah this was 87 like this would have been a lot funnier back then if you were a you know a fantasy reading dorcas oh yeah going to all the fantasy cons hanging out with your friends talking about who read lord of the rings faster yeah 
you know, thinking about elves. Checking out Usenet for all the hot tips on the new Mercedes Lackey publication. But, um, <sighs> yeah, like, it's it's so... it's It feels like something that's already getting phased out, except for talking about witches and wizards. Which, yeah. again, we've still got some juice in the tank for that left for the next few books. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. What did you think of the new headmaster of uh, Unseen University? Cut Angle? Uh, I thought he was yeah. basically just going to be a two-dimensional cutout of a character. But then, like, later on near the end, they gave him a whole bunch of, like, backstory, and he's, like, from the same place that Granny's from. To the point that they knew one another growing up. I was really shocked that they didn't mention that Granny's relation gander, Weatherwax, ran the university not so long ago. Like, she yeah. doesn't seem to acknowledge this at all or have any, like, you know, there's no one where it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, my brother, he left town a while, you know, when I was a kid, and he came yeah. to the big city to be a big dick wizard, and which, he sucks. Which is really weird, because, like, her sister is gonna come up and be the focus of an entire book later. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think I don't think she ever acknowledges Galder Weatherwax. I don't know if this is supposed to be, like, some kind of weird cosmic coincidence, or just a different branch of the family, or... I don't yeah. really get what it. What if it's just a very common name on the Discworld? Because I'm looking at <laughs> at granny's wikipedia page right now and it does not mention golder once wow wait i was wrong sorry they're distant cousins oh okay. Huh. Okay. apparently that very distant yeah. it's i i really liked I, I liked the characterization they did of the headmaster although it was very strange and just kind of happened suddenly at the end yeah it 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 felt like a lot of the book does as if kind of he told a different book at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he wrote the first he wrote the first section of the book, took a long break, scribbled down a bunch of ideas to the middle that plotted on and on, mm-hmm. wrote the third section of the book, and then just kinda forgot about it for a year and then came back with a completely different book for the fourth part. Yeah. Like, like, there was, I when I was making my original draft of the sixty second summary, it I had the entire middle third of the book as just, for some reason, they decided to film Road to Ankmore Pork at this point. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's just it's like, so strange. Like, the only the only actually important part about it is the fact that they meet Simon ahead of time. And even then, they could yeah. have met him yeah. right in front of the Unseen University, and the story would have been fine. You could yeah, have cut like, a full third of this book out, and it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, yeah. You, could have, you could have cut out everything with the Zunes, everything with, like, you know... Everything that happened on the river, uh, and, like, it would have been fine. Like, literally no one would have noticed. Like, there was, like, when I was taking my notes, there was, like, a big chunk where, like, I didn't, nothing was important, so I didn't write anything down. I feel like part of why it's such an issue here is because, like, in the previous book, you kind of expected it with Rincewind. Like, the first book, obviously, is a disaster collection of stories. It, it it is what it is. We don't have yeah. to talk about it. But in the last book, it didn't have that strong start. It didn't have that promise. It just kind of fell into things happening to Rincewind again. Yeah. This book had a really strong start yeah. where it promised an interesting story, and then to have it just after that go back into the well. Here's the fun idea. This is similar to like the druids in the last book where it's just like here's some fun jokes we can make about computer programming yeah. and such <laughs> which he does uh, again like, like the, he, he makes another aside about well it's well known that stone can think because you know the electronics industry exists in our world 
He loves right. computers yeah. so much. Which, yeah, which he's so cute. Which I get. Yeah, you know, I also like computers. I get it, Terry. Now, at least you were quicker about it this time. I I did find it kind of interesting, and I was the fact that all of the world, all of the stuff happening during that third, there was this, all of this casual world building that he didn't have any of this stuff in the previous books. It's but he wrote this like we're supposed to already be familiar with a lot of these places. Mm-hmm. Like Ulan Katash and the Zunes and whatever. I know there were other towns that, that they got stopped at. And he just built all of this stuff like it was like it was book 12 in a series or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I distinctly remember like, you know, in one of the, like the market town where Isk does whatever with, Isk does whatever with the stones. Mm-hmm. It's like, he starts throwing out these names and these, these squares like, I had to go back. Like, did I miss something? And no, like, you know, the only thing that happens there is that important that happens there is like, A, S disguises her staff as a broom and B, Terry gets a little dig in at capitalism in the music industry. Yeah, hey. the very the very brief joke about the RAAA decades before yeah. Napster. <laughs> since, since the disc had no music industry, people had to rely on more traditional forms of banditry. Huge shade out of nowhere. Wait, you know, you get him, Terry. Like that one hit. That one fucking works. That's great. It's really weird, but uh, I really like. If you read any part of this book, if you're like some sort of weird person who, uh, maybe just reads portions of books instead of the whole thing, the the book starts on a really freaking strong point. Yeah, I love like this open. Like the opening shot is like at. As opposed to like, oh, there's a big turtle and there's two planets on it and stuff. Wow, space and shit. But like, this one's like, no. Up in the mountains, stormy night, wizard about to die, getting pulled inexorably through the threads of destiny towards this one tiny house in the back of beyond. And it's like, oh shit. And like, yeah. The whole staff really sets up, like, a WrestleMania sign for, like, this whole, like, the, the uh, most of Esk's young life, where it's like, she may be just, like, she may, she may be the eighth daughter of an eighth son now, and she may not be anything really notable, but someday, there's that, like, loaded magical staff in the corner, and that thing's gonna, like, wreck some shit. Yeah. That's why the start sound feels so good, because it's this, like, sword dangling over th- your head. Um, yeah. and maybe why it feels the whole, and, a little bit disappointing when that finally pays off and it's just like, oh, okay, well uh, she, she did it. But, um, okay. and the, the whole follow up with like her learning with granny and like slowly adjusting to learning, like granny trying not to explain her destiny and all of that, but still teach her some level of magic. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing with the Eagle, that part was really good. Yeah. It was genuinely like interesting. I was invested. I wanted to see where it went. It was pretty horny. I was ready for the Euro wizard. Harry yeah, moment. I was not yeah. to was reference kind of ho- the worst series yeah, on earth. I was kind but... of holding this back, but if we'd been doing this podcast 10 years earlier, um, ignoring a lot of the things that that, yeah. that would entail. If we were doing this 10 years ago, we would have been getting such a Hogwarts vibe out of just everything about the Unseen University for the first two-thirds oh, yeah. of the book. But, unfortunately... <laughs> unfortunately, things have occurred. And, yeah. uh, none of us are cis, so, like, yeah, what's that's sort good, of the problem. Joanne? If we did this 10 years ago, wait, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do want to... Th- I was just 
randomly reminded of a tangent in here when when Granny first describes headology and ask you know somewhat reasonably goes oh you're just you're ju- you're just fooling people and you know Granny says well no look you you give somebody this medicine it's really just diluted berry juice but you tell them you got it from the dwarves or whatever most people will get over just about anything as long as you give them a, a reason to believe in it and then S says well. But I, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense. And Granny replies, I understand. I know you don't. But you do seem to know 12 different herbs that are good for the bowels. And she just sort of drops it there. And just this isn't really picked up, but just kind of implying that half of the herbology is just fake anyways. <laughs> but it's important that Esk believe that Esk believes that it's real and really that the witches believe that it's real so that they're convincing about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. and and because so they're consistent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. If which A and which B both give you fuck root for your dong problems, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, it's consensus, baby. <laughs> yeah, the witch two hills over said fuck root wasn't gonna work for my dong problems. <laughs> I demand a yeah, second that... opinion. <laughs> it was it was a really good start. Yeah. I uh I was excited. Mm-hmm. And then and then they ran around in the wilderness for a yeah. third of the book. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a while. I'm kind of glad to everyone else agreeing that this thing had a drag for that point because I okay. I'm not going to make any pretensions here. Unseen University is my home turf when it comes to Discworld stuff. Just like period. That's kind of that's why I got back into playing the mud after we filmed our first episode because I just wanted to go back and do wizard shit again. Yeah. Anything about the UU is just shit I care about, shit I know about. And so I spent I am... most of this book going, God damn it, when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> <laughs> I am I am very interested to hear your opinion on the one book I have opinions on that happens in Unseen University, Unseen Academicals, because that one is I'm going to be honest, I don't book. remember it at all. I know that it involves It's the sports. football one. That's all oh, I remember. Yeah, I think that was one of the ones that I shotgunned too fast to really absorb properly. It's also one of his later ones, which okay. we'll, we'll worry about that in uh, a couple yeah. years. I know it's the last Rincewind book. I don't think I've read that one either, so that'll be fine. I'm going it's, to uh, I'm going to assume Rincewind uh, dies in it. Uh, no spoilers, but uh, it is definitely a, this is something that's going to have to be talked about eventually. It's definitely on the edge of possibly the last few books decline in quality a lot, mm. and it is arguable whether this is part of that. I would say, no, I really like this book, but you can make a case for, it definitely has issues. It'll be f- complex thoughts on it. It'll be fun to it- see where we decide to put it in our rankings. Yeah, because at that point we'll have like 35 other books ranked yeah, already, so gonna, that'll be fun. I'm gonna have to like think about like, once we get past maybe like 10 books, it's gonna be cumbersome to like yeah. figure out where the rankings are placed. Make- I'm thinking maybe like sorting them into like let like tiers like Smash Brothers characters. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll just drop it all into tier list with just images yeah. of all of the book covers or yeah. whatever. Like right now, it's easy to make a make a list of best to worst because yeah. there's so few. Well, but... I'm I'm curious. I'm curious with whether y'all thought this one was better than the last one. It is. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm kind, I'm kind of mixed on it, but I don't. I think we still have time to deliberate on this. Yeah, I was gonna say we could get into that now if you want, or we could we could discuss the book some more. But uh, let's let's go into the book some yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
<laughs> what did y'all think of speaking about faffing around in the wilderness? Uh, what did y'all think about the uh, definitely not weird at all, vaguely racial coded stereotypes of the uh, the river people? Uh, uh, yeah, the, that hmm. hmm. Like Terry absolutely says the G slur here a couple times. Yes, yeah. uh, and like I. It's one I of get those he, he really he should have tried thought about this, but and to his credit, like no, don't don't call them that. Call them Romani or whatever. It wouldn't yeah. fucking work here. He'd have to no, he'd yeah. have to call them something completely unrelated. Which again, this is he he really he really shouldn't have. But I don't think it was really an, yeah. a social issue at the time, so I can't really dock points for it. I don't think. Yeah, he does I, go out of his way and, to like invert the stereotype where it's like yeah like classical shitty european stereotypes like ah the these these traveling people are untrustworthy and they'll they'll always mess with your head and stuff but like in this it's like no they it's literally the opposite they lack the capacity to lie whatsoever and they have one group of their family who is the designated liar who gets good at lying which is a great idea on its own yeah Uh, i just wish there weren't like showing the inverse of the stereotype still makes the stereotype visible i guess yeah, is what i'm saying yeah it's 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 not good yeah. it, it's a really cool idea but it should have been a cool idea applied to something else yeah exactly yeah it's, yeah. yeah it's and that's kind of this whole thing in the book right it's very much like you know oh men are bad cuz they want to do magic like this so we'll have, you know, Granny tell him off and ignore him, and that'll make it be good. Or Like, it's very, like, you can't do the opposite of the... If you're 180 degrees from the thing you don't like all the time, frequently that's also bad, even if it's better. You're just turning 360 degrees and walking and away. And walking away. <laughs> uh, uh, I... The gender politics of this book uh, were... Yeah. Oh, the Sir Terry. Yeah. First off, so it should hard. be noted that Terry does not know what trans people are at this point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just... Honest question, does Terry ever realize what trans people are? I don't... And I'm kind of, because Cheery is sort of a sideways approach to it. Sort I mean, of? I will argue that there is just a straight-up trans character in Monstrous Regiment. But I don't know if Pratchett knew. Yeah, I think that. that there are definite themes about gender that trans people can identify with and latch onto. I know I've seen a lot of trans people say that Corporal Angua later on is trans, which I think has oh, yeah. a lot of water to it. Um, Monstrous Regiment, like we're we're there's gonna be oh, such a fucking episode when we get to that book. Yeah, it is, I, Monstrous Regiment will be a ten part episode. It's gonna be it's, bananas. It's gonna be very long. That we're I'm we're gonna so be so excited. For a while. But but yeah, I I I know that there is eventually a there is any a gay character. I will not comment on whether they are a good character, but I know that at least one exists. But I don't think he ever... I don't know if he ever mentions trans people even as a joke? Queer villain pride, baby! I assume there's a joke somewhere. I think this this book would have read a lot different if Terry had met a trans person before. 
I think a lot yeah. of Pratchett's stuff might have read differently. Yeah. Which makes me sad. Yeah. Well, I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that he yeah. does some really great stuff. I just wonder what yeah, could have I, been. I, I just wish I could have, like, talked to him about gender shit yeah. before he wrote this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much still like, rooted within the patriarchy, even as it seeks to dismantle it. I don't um, say this about many yeah. people. I don't say this about many cis people, but, like, I want to sit down with Sir Terry explain what's going on and give him like free reign to ask questions for a few hours i i i will comment more on that in the future because i have opinions on that specifically and how it relates to some of the future books mm-hmm. but this one is definitely uh, yeah it could have been worse it, it definitely tried to do some cool things yeah. and at times it succeeded yeah there are points when i thought it did really cool stuff and sometimes Terry is standing in an elevator holding a this elevator is abuse free sign. This el- this elevator respects woman. Wow. I did yeah, like he, he kind of he kind of takes it apart in like minor ways. Like one of my favorite little tiny details is that like so much of witch behavior kind of is is so different from wizard behavior, not because not just because like witches and wizards are different. But because yeah. the concept of, like, women not catching as much respect as men is, like, baked into the culture so much mm-hmm. that, like, witches have yeah. to go out of their way so much more just to, like, get people on their level. Like, like to get people to trust them. Like, Granny says, like, oh, yeah, we don't curtsy as witches. We bow. We took that from what is a normally masculine behavior yeah. and we made that ours just to show that we're on the same level with that kind of thing. Yeah. We always wear black. We always do the goth thing. We have the big hat as a big signifier of who we are. It's very much as it is, it is a gender performance. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. What, yeah. The gender is which, mm-hmm. and uh, there's much is made about like when we see inside asks is dad, uh, Gunder or something. Gordo Smith is his name. Uh, see, his last name is Smith because he's a blacksmith, which is like why people actually have the last names they have. But anyway, like, you know, he's like, well, you know, all of the women in the area really respect Granny. They all like, you know, respect and appreciate her. Gordo is more like a, well, if I, I should go along with what she says, A, because she's a witch and, well, you know what witches do to people. And B, you know, I can't get in trouble with the missus. Every every married male character in this book is henpecked. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's really weird. Women, it's weird. Equal it's rights, really, baby. Women's it's lib. Really, it's really fucking weird to like see it, like Pratchett do these like I keep setting up and knocking down all these like yeah you know what you know take that man take that masculinity but then he also does these like fucking take my wife please ass jokes yeah it feels like trying to be trying to play both sides except in this yeah. case there clearly is a side that is more powerful than the other so it doesn't yeah. work does- and there's clearly a side that he's taking yeah. honestly like it is obvious what his opinion on a lot of this stuff yeah. is, at least to some extent. He just eh, he, doesn't... He has work. his ideas. He is trying to make this case. His heart is in the right place. Unfortunately, he is still a comedy writer in the 80s, and he has a lot of unexamined misogyny that he's working through. Mm-hmm. 
If yeah. we ever cover Good Omens, oh my god, we have got to talk about some of the extremely 80s levels of misogyny and other Yikesville jokes that are in that book. Because, like, it's it's not part of... it's It is arguably not part of the Discworld canon. People will debate me on this, but I say it isn't. Um, it absolutely isn't. Yeah, yeah. It's... And it's got, like... Like, this is a minor tangent, but, like, going back and reading it... Like, I read... I. I read it fairly recently again. I reread it just because I knew the Amazon series was coming out. And, like, some of the stuff in that book is like, damn, y'all, this was super written in the friggin' late 80s, wasn't it? Like, Good Omens has a major, major problem of, oh, yeah, you forgot about half of this book. Yeah. You only remembered the good parts. <laughs> you remembered the beginning, and you remembered the end, and you forgot, uh. like half of how all the stuff this book takes place in because you were too blinded by the idea of gay celestial beings um when they made it for tv gay celestial beings are so yeah when they remade it for tv they should have just made it about gay celestial beings and cut out i mean they mostly did yeah they did but they could have gone harder you know they could have made them like make out maybe uh that would have been maybe they could have frauded a little i don't or like with their weird Mm. non-gendered non Junior like, and Angel, how do angels wait, fuck? The, the 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 absolute terror field down there. Yeah. Um. Want to find out? Yes. Desperately. To. Yes. Non-y- oh, that was non-y- meant to be a that was meant to be a flirt. Let's continue. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Sorry that's why I was saying yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Sorry for going a little blue this episode. Um. Uh, Iris will just have to cut out the forty-five minute long section that doesn't really work because you'd have to be there. <laughs> Uh, if Iris cuts out the section of me loudly fucking someone on the podcast, I'm going to be so mad. If you're hearing this that and, and you didn't hear that, that means that she did. Email uh, her about that. Listen, I have to save something for the higher tiers of the Patreon when we get the Patreon. Oh, that's a good uh, point. I'm just saying. Um, that's a good point. But yeah, yeah. Gen- gender. The genders. The- Yenders. There is one more thing I'd like to bring up before we go to our ranking. Yes, which please, is, feel free. Following up on Scropula from the last book, the most fucking British thing in this book is that there's a there's a joke that relies on me knowing anything about Henry's the 8th, 9th, and 10th. <laughs> there was, I don't think there were Henry's the 9th or 10th. I think it stopped at 8. Well, so the joke goes something like, the, the pose in the painting was... Uh, Owned by Henry VIII, but with an option on Henry's, Henry the Ninth and Henry the Tenth, or something like that. The only thing I know about Henry VIII is that he had six six wives consecutively because of, you know, marriage reasons. But yep. like... Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, divorce, beheaded, beheaded, survived. Survived, yeah. yes. That's all I know. I'm a fucking American. I, the, the, the founding fathers and the revolution did a lot of bad fucked up things that ruined this country and made it terrible. But they were, they were correct and that we shouldn't have to care about any fucking kings. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't have to know who they are. Yeah. Instead, we just have to remember all of the presidents. Yeah, you don't even have to remember all the presidents. Actually switch. June, there are like six. Presidents. There are like maybe six important presidents. Most of the rest are like Millard Fillmore or James Garfield or like... Yes, but... I know I, all I'm of sure the presidents. some of them weren't also comic characters. Yes, but, <laughs> yes, but Grace, I uh, I assume that if you asked an incredibly English person, they'd say there were only like six important kings. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, and one of them is Burger. Yeah, you know. <laughs> There's a, uh, Elizabeth, 
Elizabeth II, The Reckoning, um, uh, the Re- Elizabeth VIII, Rising, Revengeance, Henry VIII, Steve, um, uh, George. One of the Georges was yeah, a ga- was a bad one. One of the George was the bad. Yeah, and, one of them was like the cl- evil. No, George Washington was like the the twin, the weird super baby project clone of King George. Yeah, just like Star Trek yeah. Nemesis. I just now realized they were both named George. Yeah. Two Georges. The real metal. The War the of the Georges. Your solid situation. Yeah. Colonel. <laughs> so the so is excessive constitution. So is, is is George Washington? Is he solid George? He's definitely solid George. And then King George the Third was liquid George. Oh and yeah. And you see, the thing was, uh, King George the Third thought he was the one who got the recessive genes, but mm. he wasn't. He had the dominant genes, so he was technically the superior one. He just had an inferior complex because he didn't know about how the Les Enfants project worked. Yeah. Uh, Tune in for our later podcast where Iris ranks and reviews every single Metal Gear game. You don't Uh, want that from me. You don't want that because I will make that and you don't want that. Wait, wouldn't George Washington be solidist because he was actually president? Uh, (laughs) no. Because in this metaphor that we're using, there would be... No, you know who's solidus? Alexander Hamilton, because he was a federalist and he wanted a king for America. <gasps> ah. Uh, I hope I hope all of the uh, you re- listeners who know things about Metal Gear Solid enjoyed that bit. Yeah, or it at was least very you good. as much psychic damage as I did. <laughs> yeah, same. Anyways, it was very Sorry, good. You know, I thought of Hamilton and I wasn't going to waste my shot as the Broadway uh, musical. Oh, oh God, no, no. no. Uh, oh, that hurt. That one uh, hurt. Now that's psychic damage. I'm trying to think of other stuff that was in this book. Write in now like, for your free commemorative uh, Hatsune Miku binder. Yes. Uh, uh, I liked that Granny didn't like flying on a broomstick, and she had a shitty yeah. broomstick that didn't work. Yep. That was fun. And then the yeah. dwarf mechanics bit was actually... It was uh, like yeah. very by the numbers, but I still thought that was fun. Yeah. I saw that yeah. joke coming the second that it was like they kicked into the scene. And I was like, ah, this is a this yep. is a crooked auto mechanic joke, huh? Ah, this is a good. car thing. It's a good bit. It's less yeah. of a joke you laugh yeah. at, and more that you nod and be like, yes, correct. Yep. It's a good bit, and you know, I as much as the old like he certainly is hitting all like the. W- Obvious fantasy trope jokes. I can, I can dig on the, I can dig on the dwarves as auto mechanics. I, I only just yeah. got that it was because because this is a Road Two movie, so of course the car has to break down at some point. Of course. Gotta oh <sighs> have car. Trouble. I, I, I enjoyed that stuff. I thought, I thought a lot of the sort of like making fun of which stereotypes worked pretty well yeah mm-hmm. yeah they uh the, the thing uh... was like it was making fun of them but also like it was deconstructing them and then putting them back together saying you know no wait a second yeah. hold on there's a reason they're doing it this way mm-hmm. yeah. and that's yeah. very important it made the witches and sometimes sometimes it was a bit like uh sometimes it was a bit gender yeah look at the wise old woman mm-hmm. and this stuff yeah. but like I think overall it worked yeah, really well. There was there was a good bit where we find out that like Granny Weatherwax is a she is she looks bad for a witch by which we by which they mean she's actually attractive and can't even develop the nose wart. Yeah, 
Yeah, like she's not like she's she really wishes she had like some cool warts and also like she was missing a bunch of teeth because she talks about this other which yeah. uh like two valleys over who's like lost all of her teeth at like age 20 and she's all yeah. like gnarled and fucked up and like a hag yeah. and she's like damn she, i wish she, i could get she to eats a lot status. of soup but people respect yeah. the hell out of her people I think respect a, her i think i think hilt is described as having a, a mouthful of gold teeth which you know feels like it's teasing belina yeah, yeah, that rules. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was jewelry teeth are cool. Yeah. Jewelry teeth are cool. Yeah. Thank you. I I I thought it worked really well and uh I liked I liked the way it characterized Granny and the way it characterized the witches overall mm-hmm. and the way it didn't just kind of make fun of it but played with it. Yeah. I didn't really feel that about the wizards in this book. Yeah. No, the wizards are much more two-dimensional like yeah. it feels like yeah it feels like terry was like yeah i i already spent two books talking about wizards i probably don't need to go any further into yeah. what wizards do or how they are or whatever but like yeah he could have got into it a little bit they're all it's all a shitty old boys club they all smoke they're all not allowed to fuck yeah wizards fucking suck like yeah we get it yeah it, i I kind of feel like since he's, he was just kind of fatigued because remember he had to kill like the eight most senior, I'm sorry, the nine most senior wizards at the end of the light fantastic. And he just mm-hmm. didn't really feel like populating it again. So, and eh, yeah. you got the librarian, you've got this, uh, this arch chancellor who I guess we might do more with him later. I don't remember how many books this guy serves for. It doesn't matter since we're only talking yeah. about this book anyways. And he does get some nice, nice, you know, character development, but it's just kind of it's just kind of there. They're, all yeah. of the wizards are just products of their institution more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the university gets a lot better once a books stop being centrally about them, and b once recurring characters start to come out of the university without the constant threat of being killed off. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's uh, that that's a that that is actually something about this book. There wasn't a ton of people dying. Yeah, yeah, which separates it out from the previous. Yeah, the two, two books. the previous yeah. two had a pretty high body count. Now that I think yep. about it, it was a lot less cynical, much less yeah. cynical, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Terry at least like uh, T- Terry has at least learned a thing or two about punching down in this one, mm-hmm. or punching up, punching yeah. up. Well, both, but like. He's punching more in the right direction. He's still cynical, but it's directed at, like, the music industry and, you know, shitty, stuffy old boys clubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ants. It's... Yeah. He, he's pretty pro-ant in this. Uh, there, there's a pretty good bit where... Uh, I loved the bit at that the end. That was so good! Yeah. That was a really good joke. That was a great gag to end yeah. it off of. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad you spent all the time reading my book. I realized this ending, maybe kind of a little wet fart. Hey, here's a joke here's about AIDS that I thought was really good. Ba-bam! And, and it finally got... It was. Yeah, it was a great joke. It, and it's a really good brick joke for, uh, at the very beginning of the book, when Drum Billet dies, he talks to death about, like, well, you know, is there anything I can do? Yeah, well, you can try reincarnating, but your karma's not so great. You'd be lucky to get an ant. And wouldn't you know it, one of the ants at the end, it's our old friend, Drum yeah. Billet, which, is that a pun? It really feels like it's a pun or like a drum billet is a thing I should know what it well, is. Well, okay, uh, I know this from watching Forged and Fire too much. Ah. Uh, 
A billet refers to a piece of metal that's been melted together but has not yet been hammered into the shape of a knife. So mm-hmm. it's like a tool before it becomes a finished tool. Oh my so I guess it's God. Oh, that the guy, the guy named Billet gives his power oh. to Esk. Oh. oh. Wow, that's bad. I should have looked that up. Wow. I didn't, like, I didn't think... It's I didn't a bit think of a deep Pratchett cut. Would, I didn't think that Pratchett would stoop down to my level in naming characters. <laughs> no, it's good. There's no rules yeah. on when you can name characters. It's fine. Yeah, like... Oh. Ask Bug Report and Bird Call. Like, yeah. you can do whatever you want. I, As... I do find it kind of weird that, like, Drum, that Drum bothers reincarnating because he seemed to be doing just fine as a tree. Yeah, but... I mean, we don't know what happened to him. Maybe, okay. maybe he got chopped down. You know, maybe, maybe he I got am, blown up. I am perfectly willing to believe that somewhere on the cutting room floor for this book, there's some offhand joke that the moment Ask, Ask and Granny Weatherwax left badass someone went out back and chopped down that tree yeah like, oh my god because like that's what it I, that's what it implies happened right is like drum came back as the tree something happened to him and i was reincarnated as the ant yeah like once the also that's a, that's another quick gag that i enjoyed just like i know that the town being called badass is like a a joke in and of itself yeah. but i enjoyed the gag of just constantly calling it that over and over again for the rest of the yeah, book. Yeah, and never for, making like, another joke about it. Like, I thought there was going to be a yeah. pun on it, but, like, no, it's like, we got that out of the way early. It's like, you know, whatever... Now you just have a town named Badass. Yeah. And that's a good bit, just yeah. constantly mm-hmm. calling it that. Uh, also, right. can we talk about how ac- genuinely pretty horny the eagle scene was? Like, it was pretty hip kinky. Yeah. No, it's worse. Yeah, it was cool. It's the idea of riding on somebody else's mind very carefully so you don't take control of it but that if you do take control of it that it's really exhilarating and powerful but also you start to lose yourself into it until you all you unravel. can think about is the same thing as the eagle is thinking until yeah, you lose and you're... yourself entirely and you get animorphed yeah you'll, uh, you turn into tobias yeah there's also a, a pretty good bit later on where uh, with uh, borrowing the mind of the unseen borrowing the unseen university and yes! there's, a, there's a really good like chunk where like I didn't bother to transcribe, but it's you know it's all architecture puns. Like Granny arched her back and you know pl- and you know plastered him with this and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, uh, Esk does it for a second, and the book's like, oh yeah, she finally had the unique and unusual sensation of feeling like she had balconies. Well, yeah, um, she's eight. She hasn't gone through puberty yet. That's true. Ah, uh, oh hey. God. I thought that's uh, what that joke was, but I, I, I did not realize that joke. That was, ugh. Jeez, I'm not least. sure it was, but yeah, I, I don't know if it was a purposeful joke. But if it okay. wasn't a purposeful joke, it is. I now. didn't yeah. realize it then. I but... groaned out it either way. Hey, nice Bellinas. Oh, I was gonna say, speaking of somebody who's definitely thought more than once about, like, man, I, I I'm pretty cool as like. A person, but it'd be pretty cool to be a place sometime. Yeah. Uh, that was that Iris, was a neat bit. Yeah. Iris, tell us about your building, Sona. Go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't call myself a psychic architect for nothing, you know. Um, but yeah, that part was really neat. Uh, yeah, I I really liked. I, I I feel like we've we've dunked a lot on certain things in this book. But I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed a lot of yeah, the no, stuff in this yeah. book. Even the weird rambly stuff was still fun. 
Yeah. There were a number of moments in this book where I was in that zone of just like, oh, I want to keep reading this because they keep doing cool shit and I'm enjoying the hell out of it, which I can't really say about the previous books. You know what it reminded me a lot of? Not in terms of like content, but in terms of like how it was set up. Um, Did any of you see the recent Netflix did like, they basically did a sequel or no, a prequel to the Dark Crystal movie where it was called the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Um, oh, I, I wanted to watch that, but I didn't. I'll say that it suffers the same problem that a lot of other Netflix series do, where, like, it has a really strong start, and then it kind of gets real soggy in the middle, and then things kind of vaguely come to a conclusion at the end, but it has a really strong lead-in for a second season, which they're not going to get, because Netflix canceled it, because Netflix have no souls in their bodies whatsoever, I guess. Because Netflix loves canceling things after a season or two. Yeah. And it, but like, it was, I got the same sensation as I did when I was watching that, where it's like, well, I'm not really like, I don't really, this feels just like faffing around, but all the little details in it are so fun, you know? Yeah. Like, there are much worse ways to spend an afternoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, jumping off of that, that actually provides a very smooth segue to our ranking system. Um, so, gang, out of three books, the current ranking has. Light Fantastic is number one, and The Color of Magic is number two. Where well, does Equal Rights fit on this list? This is the best one. Well, let's yet. get something out yeah. of the way. Mm-hmm. Let's get something out of the way. No one thinks this is worse than The Color of Magic. No. Right. Correct. 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 No. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. The question, does anyone think this is worse than The Light Fantastic? I, I mean, I... If we're docking it for the again the the middle third, I I don't really feel like the Light Fantastic had that same quite the same problem of just having a big chunk of the book that could be summed up in one sentence. I absolutely do. I genuinely think it did. Yeah, remember when I, I like it was... remember when my book bugged out and I did in fact miss a chunk of Light Fantastic in the oh, middle and didn't notice. Shit, you're right. If anything, I think part of the thing is that Light Fantastic is mostly that. Mm-hmm. It's mostly the running around like, in the wilderness and having stuff happen in weird ways that don't work you well. You expect it more from Light Fantastic, whereas with this it did yeah, feel yeah. a little more disingenuous. With you're, okay, it. Yeah. You're, you're right that it was like the, the edges were much higher more than the middle was lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I'm, Light Light Fantastic has an even more of a fireworks factory problem because they've been building up Rincewind's big dick brain spell since Color of Magic, and right. you're just waiting for him to fucking say it. It's true. Yeah, and like... And then it know, doesn't really do anything of actual consequence. It just turns off the plot MacGuffin. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was a, I thought that was pretty good, though, because it was mostly an anti-climax bit, and yeah. I enjoyed it for what it yeah, was. Yeah, I, I like that particular delivery, but on the other hand, I like Esk as a character way more than I liked Rincewind oh, or Toothpower. Yeah. That's yes. the thing, right? Is I, If nothing else, I like Esk and I like Granny a lot more than I like Rincewind yeah. and Toothpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Esk's biggest problem was the fact that she was an extraordinarily mature eight-year-old. Yeah, well, this really had the whole, like, uh... Do you know um, why? I ha- I have an answer for this. Esk is based on Terry Pratchett's actual daughter Rihanna, and you uh, know, huh. and like if you're if you are writing a book with a character that's based on a real person you're related to, you can't. You have to like make them look good. 
Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't be like, wow, well, yeah, I based this character off I her. Can't... She's a fucking idiot. She's just no idea she what's fu- going she on. She shits her pants all the time. She fucking sucks. Nobody I, likes I, her. I can't I believe think... that he wrote a character into the book and then made her straight automatically. What the fuck? <laughs> you don't know, Terry. Oh, you don't know what that kid maybe could grow up to think. She also doesn't well, really have many of those thoughts over the course of this because, again, she's eight years old. She, she does exactly. briefly. She does briefly. briefly find Simon attractive. Yeah, but yeah, I figured that I figured that she was eight years old for this book just because eight is an important number, and because that's that's yeah. when all of her that's when all of her magic started happening. Because of yeah. course, an eight year old, and it's I, I still I can't I can't really say like eighth daughter of an eighth it's like eighth child of an eighth child. I guess yeah. It does really have a uh, Hey Arnold vibe to it, though. Like, uh, how on Hey Arnold, like, everybody was supposedly yeah. in fourth grade, but they were all basically adults. And then the kids in fifth grade, like, wore leather jackets and smoked and had bikes and shit. Yeah, and they is, were in fifth grade. Yeah, which is what it's like being a kid. Like, everyone older than you is some, like, you know, oh, they've got it all figured out. They're so cool or whatever. <laughs> you know, when I was 10, my, like, you know, 18-year-old cousin had it all figured out, baby. No, yeah. I remember when I was, like, when I was, like, in, like, senior year of high school, I was like, yeah, when I get to college, I'm gonna be a real adult. I'm gonna be a fully foreign person. I'm turning 31 in, like, a couple weeks. And, like, I still don't feel like I'm fully baked yet. Yeah. I feel like I'm still soft yeah, in parts. So weird. That's okay. I'm 36, and I'm going. Why the hell do you, do you seem to have your life all figured out? So no, it never really gets any better. <laughs> well, I'm I'm 26, and I have my life completely figured out. So Finally. y'all should just takes to figure do what I of do, course. pretty much. What? Just like yeah. be hot and do podcasts. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. So hey, one step closer every day in every way. Exactly. Why do you think I'm Already on? on why do you think now. I'm on three of them? It seems to work. <laughs> so. Um, I'm kind of hearing a general consensus that maybe we put this at our number one spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, I went, I I went so. into this expecting to sandwich it, but I'll, I'll, I'll acquiesce on that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, cool. This is what it's all about. It's about discussion, compromise, mm-hmm. negotiation, and all, not all of the gaps are going to be big ones. Sometimes they're going yeah. to come down to the little details. That's why I think ranking things is so fascinating. Not necessarily, like, I joke a lot about how it's like, oh, this is the objective ranking. But really, it comes down to, like, talking about the differences and, like, maybe exploring it in a very subjective manner. Because we're four different people and we all have different ideas about what we like in our stories. It is a framing device to spark conversation. And before I close the Equal Rights Wikipedia page, I would like to uh, laugh at the fact that both the numbers seven and eight are blue links in case you are looking at the Wikipedia page for equal rights. And you're like, yeah, tell me more about the numbers eight. Why not? Yeah. I've been curious. It seems like as good a time as any. I don't know what the number eight is. Could you please help me out, Wikipedia? Do you remember when we were memeing about the, the, the feature film robots starring Robin Williams? Yes. And like, every color word describing the robots is a blue link. Hey, kid, you know what yellow is? Listen, I've heard of colorblind people, but I think they at least have some vague concept that, like, green if, is a hue. If if you were colorblind, I think, like, the Wikipedia page on yellow isn't going to help you. Yeah, you would still have heard of the concept of yellow. Yes. I could understand uh, wanting to learn more about Seven, though, because I've been afraid of it my whole life. 
Well, you, it did just vor nine. Because of its vor fetish, yes. I was going to yeah. say, did you hear that it uh, ate nine? Yeah. Uh, classic. Hot. Anyways, uh, uh, so right now our ranking list looks like top of the list equal rights. And uh, note to future Iris, uh, if you could, while you're editing this, put in a sort of a ding sound effect, like from the board on Family Feud, that would be great. Hugs and kisses. Mwah, future Iris. Hi, you. Hi, future Iris. You're hot. Hi, future Iris. Hey, Iris. Yeah, you're really hot and stuff. I feel like we can say whatever we want here because you're going to edit this part out, I assume. Hi, future Iris. I'm gay. Why would I edit I'm, out I'm gay the too. parts where you all compliment me? <laughs> you're just going to skip right from that to us all complimenting you. So there's just a ding, and then all of a sudden everyone's complimenting uh, you. Perfect. Uh, um, but yeah, top of the list. Equal rights, then light fantastic, and then at the bottom, the color of magic. And when this episode goes live, I'll update our little ranking graphic to reflect that. Um, But yeah, excited for next month when we're going to be covering uh, the fourth book in the series, Mort, which... Oh, here we go. We get to talk about death! It's... Death time. It's death time, baby. I'm so excited. I love that Bodie boy. I am very interested to see this because I did not realize the first. I have not read this one and I did not realize the first book in the death series was so early. Yeah. So I am very curious as to what this book does. Mm. Loving it. But yeah, um, you have been listening to Discovers, a podcast about Discworld. Um this is our little closing segment. Uh, I'm Iris J. You can find me at Iris J Comics on Twitter. Uh, you can also find our podcast at um, DiscPod. Somehow I managed to snag that on Twitter. Oh, which yeah. I feel like it's wild. But um, DiscPod at Twitter. We're also on Mastodon, if that's your social media of choice, at DiscPod at queer.party. Um, and we have an email, disc at hypnovire.us. That's disc at H-Y-P-N-O-V-I-R dot U-S. Feel free to send in your questions, comments, and uh, vague ramblings about the Discworld series or our episodes or whatever you like. If we like what you write us, we'll read it on air and talk about it. Um, did y'all want to plug your pluggables yourselves? Still Belena, still at WolfCow, W-L-F-C-A-U on Twitter. You'll probably have better luck just clicking the links that are on the podcast show notes. <laughs> yes, I will put those in as well. Uh, I'm still Juniper. Uh, Juniper Theory on Twitter. Uh, I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't Correct. really have anything to plug right you now, should... but I am absolutely wonderful and perfect in everything. Might I suggest right. you plug your Twitch channel? You're streaming at... I, ha- I, will, I will. I stream at Juniper Theory on Twitch, yeah. but uh, I haven't streamed in a while. I'm going to try and stream Hitman, though, so that'll be oh, fun. Hell yeah. Of course, by you hear this, by the time you hear this, that'll be, like, weeks in the past. Subscribe! Uh, eventually, okay, well, here, eventually, me and Grace are going to hopefully stream Evil Genius, Genius yeah. 2 together. And Spelunky yeah. 2. So that'll happen hell at yeah. some point in the future. And nice. Spelunky 2. Yeah. we got to do Spelunky 2 and complain yeah, but, about it. Yeah, but Spelunky 2 will just be us complaining. Yeah. I've, I, I'm looking forward to Evil Genius. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, I'm the Internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing, programs, podcast posts, and everything else that's fit to plug, including if you'd like to buy some of my software on floppy disk or some lovely Office of Consensus Maintenance stickers, you can find that at my hot new website at princess.software. 
Yes. Oh, and before I forget, uh, we have a sister podcast called Tight Pants that uh, Grace also co-hosts. <laughs> oh, which it's we just recorded a, a hell of an episode yes, of. Yes, it's a podcast about which Homestar Runner characters uh, know what sex is. I was a guest on an episode about the cheat, and uh, I will not spoil any of it, but it's very good. Um, yeah, we got art of it this week. You should listen oh, yes. to that if that seems like your yen. You should absolutely not listen to it. You should. I'm definitely not on it. <laughs> These are all true things that I absolutely uh, believe. It yeah. sure is a podcast. <laughs> it's wonderful. By the time you hear this, we may even have a fourth episode up about our favorite square boy, Strong Mad. Oh, boy. I guess you're really sticking your necks out for that one, huh? Well, no, he doesn't have one. But I'm Tish. Hey. Anyways, have a good night, folks. Catch you next time. Mwah. Good night, y'all.